You're now listening to the Washington football team declassified podcast with my dad. You're going to love it. If you're like me, you like information and there's no better place to get that information when it comes to the professional football than PFF. So what I did is I went out and I found our PFF guy for the Washington football team. He's at PFF underscore Nick Ackridge on Twitter. How at him, follow him. He likes to debate quarterbacks. So do I. I know you do too. Get in touch. If you're not following me on Twitter, get in touch with me at Declassified WFT. Subscribe on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Nick, let me let me first ask you, man, about all this hate that you're getting on Twitter about uh, <laughs> Justin Fields, man. What's happening there? People, they see Ohio State quarterbacks and they think Dwayne Haskins and they think no way in hell I'm, I'm taking an Ohio State quarterback again. I mean, but they're, they're, pol- they're polar opposites. I mean, they couldn't be more opposite in how they handle themselves off the field, uh, on field play, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun talking about quarterbacks. With this group. <laughs> I see it. You do it a lot on there, man. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. So um, after uh, Taylor Heineke's playoff performance, we saw this graphic come out from PFF that this was like one of the highest rated quarterback performances for the skins in a long time. And I immediately hit you and said, well, what about RG three's Thanksgiving day game where he had the four touchdowns? Um, and, and for most of us skins fans, it just blew our minds. Right. Cause we hadn't seen that level of play in a long time. Right. Um, can you kind of get into why Heineke's performance was rated a little bit better than what we saw with RG three? Yeah. So I'll start with Heineke's actual performance Uh, for him. It was, I mean, what we saw from him was incredible in its own right, but the reason it was graded so highly with PFF is he was making those sort of big time throws that we saw down the field. He was escaping the pocket, making those crazy throws. Some we have not seen since 2012 RG three. But the reason it was graded so highly on the highest we've seen in so long is because we gave him two negative grades just two negative grades out of the 60 something plays he had. And that's honestly remarkable. Yeah. And basically the negative grade is for he's missing a throw with accuracy wise. And those are the only two negatives we gave him. Um, now, if we were to go back to RG three's game, um, I would assume, especially with RG three is he had a lot of those turnover worthy plays that didn't really still show up in the stat sheet. Um, a lot of times you see with these sort of scramble quarterbacks, Quarterbacks that make complaint plays out of the pocket. Uh, a lot of times you'll see those fumbles that they pick right back up. We're still grading the fumble as it happened because, as you know, any anytime the ball hits the ground, anything can happen, basically. Um, so that's what we're doing with those fumbles. Uh, a lot of times with RG3's rookie year, he was throwing passes that should have been picked, dropped interceptions. Again, that's something that goes in into our grading system that isn't accounted for in the stat box. So a lot of times you'll see games like that well, you, you'll see a number like that and you'll think, whoa, that doesn't really match what I saw with the box score, sometimes even with the eye test. But we're looking at every single play and then adding it all up at the end. I got you. Okay. Now, one of the big arguments that you saw on social media this year was, is Terry McLaurin a true number one? And I think for me, there's some things that I see some of the bigger name number one receivers do that I don't see him do from what I when I watch the game. But I think there might be a different story uh, with what you guys do. So I want to hear your opinion on it. Does he grade out um, 
as a true number one from what you see with the PFF data? He he did his rookie year and he did when he started this season. Um, he was playing out of his mind with below to terrible quarterback play, uh, which is honestly pretty incredible. Um, his injury, his nagging injury, I believe it was an ankle injury, sort of caught up with him. Um, and then his grades and performance production was all sort of down the back half of this season. That's when people were asking, well, is he really a true number one wide receiver? And I think he already is. Uh, I, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. What we saw his rookie year, what we saw at the beginning of this past year. Um, and, it, and it really, a lot of it's dependent on what we can do with the quarterback. Um, wide receivers are very dependent on the quarterback, obviously. And when you're playing with four different quarterbacks in a year, it's hard to maintain that sort of level of consistency. Yeah. Uh, but if, if you're just watching him, if you're watching him run routes, you're watching what the defense is doing. Uh, a lot of times defenses are shadowing him, bracketing safeties that way. Um, and because there's no real second option there. Uh, we saw guys step up like Cam Sims every now and again, but there was no real second option. Um, so if you took away Terry, you basically took away the passing game. And to me, that, that screams number one wide receiver. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I'm going to touch on something you just said, because um, last year there were times where I'm like, just throw the ball to Terry. Why are you even wasting time throwing the ball to Inman or Cam Sims sometimes or Steven Sims? Um, and I, I always came back to, this has got to be something wrong with Scott Turner's offense. Um, how did you see Scott Turner's offense this year? It's, it's sort of the same thing with Terry is that it's very, it's obviously going to look bad when you don't have a quarterback. Uh, and we see literally everywhere. The quarterback is the first and only thing that kind of matters. Um, he, when you don't have that consistent quarterback play and you, you saw it sort of with Alex Smith, you saw it a little bit, even so with Kyle Allen, cause he's been in the system for a while, but this system, this air Coriel offense is what it's basically known as it's been around forever. His dad was a huge part of it North. Um, and what you're looking for with that is you're looking in sort of the intermediate to deep areas with your passing concepts. Um, so we're thinking like 10, 15 yards, anything deeper than that. And when you have quarterbacks like Dwayne, who was sort of hesitant to do that, um, he, he sort of fell into that rookie and second year quarterback thing where if the guy isn't completely wide open, he wouldn't throw it. Um, so you saw that a ton with Dwayne, with Kyle, especially even last year when he was with Carolina, Kyle was willing to just throw the ball everywhere. Like he didn't really care what he was looking at. If he saw a guy slightly open, he's gonna throw it. That led to a lot of interceptions in Carolina. This year we saw it with a tiny, tiny sample size, but he looked really good. I mean, he he was he knew the offense. He knew what was his first read, what was his second read, what was his check down. Alex Smith, on the other hand, he knew the same thing. And he was he quickly picked up that offense, but he had the this is, I mean, it's Alex Smith's career basically, is he he quickly goes through the those progressions and he takes that check down a lot of times. Um, and even more so now because he can't really scramble, he can't move out of the pocket. So if that first and second read isn't open, he just wants to get rid of the ball so he isn't getting hit because he knows he can't really scramble out of that pocket. Um, so I, I wouldn't put it all on Scott Turner. Um, I mean, it just it's obviously going to look bad when you don't have all of your pieces. Uh, they're still waiting for that quarterback. Um, and, and there's still plenty of spots on this offense that need a lot of work.
Yeah. And, and you talked about Alex Smith taking the check down. And I think from the outside looking in, we're all thinking, oh, well, Alex Smith is exactly what they want at quarterback because he doesn't take risk and he, he plays it safe. But it sounds like that might not be the case. Um, is there a, a free agent or a quarterback that would uh, be a realistic trade option that you think would make the most sense in this offense? Man, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have been all over Stafford. <laughs> right. Rams obviously jumped on that. We were clearly big players in that. I, I think he would have been the perfect fit. He he has no problem with attacking deep. He's got the arm strength for it. He loves going deep, intermediate routes. And again, that's sort of what this offense is based around. Um, they're not really looking for those. They have quick game concepts, and they, they played a lot of that with Alex Smith because, again, he couldn't really hold on to the ball too long. Um, and when you're looking for these intermediate to deep routes, you need that old line to hold up. You need someone who can escape that uh, pressure and make something out of nothing. So Stafford was my guy. Um, I, I loved I loved him. Um, I, I don't see many others. I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson, but again, you're going to have to give up basically the whole franchise to get him. Um, so there isn't really someone that really excites me. Uh, Mariota could probably do some stuff. He's an athletic guy. Um, short intermediate accuracy is fine. The problem with him is sort of the same thing with Haskins is that they need to see somebody wide open in order to throw it. Um, so a lot of times they just, they don't see that and they'll just tuck it and run. Not with Haskins, but with Mariota, he would tuck it and run. Um, so I think he's somebody to keep an eye out on. Um, but other than that, there's not really many free agent options out there. How important is, is mobility for that quarterback to have? And that was one of the reasons why I thought maybe Stafford wasn't going to be their guy because he's not the most mobile guy in the world. And it seemed like they wanted that in this offense, but I think he's mobile enough inside the pocket, but is that a critical attribute to have to be successful in this offense? Yeah, I think it is in almost any offense. Um, you see the sort of the, the pure pocket passing quarterback sort of going away. I mean, obviously Brady is an outlier to that because he's an outlier to pretty much anything. Mm. Um, but you see those pure pocket passers that have to sit in the pocket and can't really create anything outside of that, but they're pretty much going away. I mean, and it's not, you're not looking for someone with blazing speed. You don't need a Lamar Jackson. Um, you just need somebody who, like you said, can maneuver in that pocket and knows how to shift his body to the left ever so slightly so that he, he makes a throwing lane. You need a sort of um, a smaller amount of physical ability than, like I said, Lamar Jackson, but you can't be like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning in there or Drew Brees and expect it to really work in today's NFL. Um, so that's why you see that the sort of top five quarterbacks now are all these guys that can scramble, make something happen when the play is over. I mean, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, all those guys. Um, so even, even Aaron Rodgers to that point, he, he's not known to be a scrambler, but you see him get outside of that pocket and he knows how to maneuver inside that pocket and everything opens up. For sure. For sure. So let's talk about a guy that is mobile. Uh, Trey Lance is, is coming out of school um, a little bit inexperienced. I think for some people's taste uh, in terms of high level college football, there's a possibility that he potentially could be available where we pick or if, if we could move up a little bit to get him. Do you see that he fits within this offense? I think you can fit him in almost any offense. And, and that's if he plays out to what his potential is. And, and with him, it's one of the biggest question mark prospects I've ever seen come out in a long time. Um, cause even if he played a full 2020 season, you're still questioning it. Like, okay, it's the FCS. 
Is he really playing true competition? The, the offense he's in right now is so run heavy, play action heavy. Is he really having to read the defense and, and do those sort of things? But when you look at him just from a pure quarterback, what you want in a quarterback, he checks every single box um, in today's NFL. He's got a cannon for an arm. He can run. He can he can move. He I mean, he's just from a tools perspective, he checks every single box. But like you said, the the experience is a a giant question mark. And I, I think I would love him um, if he came to Washington, but I don't think you should expect him to play within the first year, maybe not even the first two years. He's just so raw and will need a lot of work. Yeah. And that word raw is now a, a scary term here in DC after we, yeah. what we went to with Haskins. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Haskins was thrown to the fire and it, it was the same thing with him. He was very raw. He had that arm talent, but he was just thrown right into the fire and it was just not a real good marriage from the start. No, it, it certainly wasn't. Um, what was a great marriage was Chase Young at the number two pick last year. I think, you know, showed the potential to be elite. Um, but again, that's, that's from my eyesight. I want to know uh, from PFF's perspective, exactly how good Chase Young was this year. Ugh, everything that you could imagine, basically when, when, when he came out in the draft and we had the second overall pick, everybody knew it was Chase Young. Uh, he's one of the most can't miss prospects you can ever have. And he proved that in his first year. Um, the thing with him is, is the way he wins in the pass uh, in pass rush is just on pure athleticism. Uh, he's a freak athlete that can just explode off the line of scrimmage. Um, the thing where he struggled mostly with this past season is sort of counteracting that, that athletic move basically. Um, so when you have somebody like Trent Williams, who gave him a fit, um, someone as athletic as Trent who can match that speed off the line of scrimmage, do you have a second move to get by him? Um, and that's something he's going to work on. Obviously he's got time this off season and in an NFL system with NFL coaches, I don't see any problem with him exploding to that next step, making that second move and becoming an absolute freak because this past season, even with just playing with pure athleticism, he graded out as a top 10 edge, edge rusher this past year. Yikes. That's, that's awesome to hear. But yeah. is, is he like, I don't know, Terrell Suggs good? Is he Khalil Mack good? Or at least the potential anyway to be like Khalil Mack good? Somebody else? I mean, how high is his ceiling? Like, is there is there a slot that you would slot him into in terms of what the potential you see on tape from him? As cliche as it is, the sky is really the limit for him. Uh, I mean, he, he was a number two overall, overall pick for a reason. He, he's got, he was coming out, Miles Garrett, Von Miller, Khalil Mack sort of hype with him, even more so. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, our league draft analyst literally went out on a limb, and it really isn't even that big of a limb anymore, saying that he's almost as sure thing of a Hall of Famer as you can get as a rookie, which is insane. I mean, like I said, everything he does right now is just based on pure athleticism. Uh, and once he sort of develops those, those second and third moves, I mean, yeah, the sky is the limit. I, I don't see him slowing down at all. And I, I truly do think you'll see a lot of all pro seasons from him in the, in the future. Can't wait, man. He's, he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> so we, and then, you know, moving down the line a little bit, we got, we got some big boys in there that can really play too um, with John Allen, uh, Deron Payne and Matt Ioannidis. I'll tell you, Payne is my favorite 
defensive player on the skins right now or mm -hmm. the football team i should say i just i love how he just always seems to find a way to make an impact and um but if i ask you to rank those three between alan Payne and ionitis how would you rank those guys all right don't hate me <laughs> but i'm going <laughs> alan ionitis Payne. Um, and it, it all sort of depends on what you want from your interior guys. And I love Deron Payne, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But with him, his, his impact is in the run game. Yeah. And I'm a big pass rush guy, so that's why I'm picking the other two. But with Deron Payne, that guy just eats up double teams. He makes it so much easier for linebackers. He's just a giant human being that is hard to move. Um, and we saw against Tampa Bay his, his best pass rushing performance. That isn't really something we saw throughout the entire season, really. Uh, he's known more so to just kind of be in there, eat up blocks. Um, and that's kind of what he's good at. Now, with Jonathan Allen, he's almost the exact opposite. He has He's one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL already. Um, he's got just nasty pass rush moves. Um, the only thing with him is consistency down to down in pass rushing situations. Right. Uh, he'll there'll be a play where he comes out and is instantly in the in the pocket in the quarterback's lap within a second and there are other plays where he's not and that's sort of where our grades come into effect we're sort of seeing all of those different things and sort of almost averaging it out um but yeah he the way he can win quickly is just incredible uh and with matt ionitis is almost the same thing ionitis is a pass rushing freak is a little more suspect in the run game which is why i put him below allen um but yeah matt ionitis i can't wait for him to come back oh yeah love watching him play too and and when it comes to because at some point we're gonna have to make some business decisions on the d-line yeah I'm so are, are you saying that you you let uh pain go and keep alan and ionitis it's so tough because again alan and ionitis are sort of the same skill set in that their pass rush is a lot better than their ability in the run game but I feel like without Deron Payne, your run defense slips even farther. So I think it's tough. I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm glad <laughs> I'm not the guy who's making that decision. You but I, both. <laughs> if you can somehow work the cap, work some magic, get all three of them there, obviously that would be ideal. I, I just don't know. I've been asked this question multiple times, and I change my answer every single time. I just don't. <laughs> it depends on what you want, really. I mean, if you want a guy in there that can stuff the run and – make things easier on your linebackers, pain is the easy option. If you want guys that can get after the quarterback, win quickly, disrupt the passing game, then it's Allen and Ioannidis. I think Allen is the one guy that's that stays no matter what. So you're sort of looking between Ioannidis and Payne, and you've already signed Ioannidis, so it kind of looks like Payne's on the way out. Oh, you're hurting me, man. You're hurting me, man. I know. I know. <laughs> but unless you can fit all three under that cap, it looks like he's the odd man out as, as much as – that sucks to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I was I was looking through some of the PFF data, and then I saw Jeremy Reeves uh, listed as the fifth highest rated safety. I said, no way. Because <laughs> like, I think about it in terms of free agency, I'm like, man, if all the safeties hit the market, there's no way Jeremy Reeves is going fifth. Yeah. No. Um, can you kind of give some context there? Um, and then also, if you think he's a realistic option as a starter for us. Yeah, the, the key word there is context, and that's kind of a key with all of these grades, and it's a reason some fans just hate PFF. Yeah. They don't really understand the context behind the grades. So for Jeremy Reeves, like you said, he is the fifth highest graded safety right now, but that's because his sample size is so, so small. Um, he has 263 total snaps 
the guys in between him both have over a thousand. Um, so if you take out his 263 snaps, he wouldn't, he obviously wouldn't be there. But what I'm trying to say is that his tiny, tiny sample size is not as significant as somebody like um, Justin Simmons, Jesse Bates, Minka Fitzpatrick, those sort of guys who are there playing a thousand snaps. Uh, and, and in my mind, basically, if you give him 800 more snaps, I think that grade goes down significantly. Um, the reason it's so high is because of the fact that he wasn't really making any mistakes. He wasn't making splash plays, but it wasn't really making any mistakes like we saw with Apke. Um, so that's the reason he's so high. Again, the context there is key. He just didn't have very many snaps to make that grade go down even more, basically. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then watching Tampa Bay last week it, 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 and, and their defense just fly around, or it came to my mind, like, what are we missing to be that defense? You know, um, I just, I, I want to be that because yeah. historically that's how the football team is, is won their titles with this elite defense. And it's, it's, it's so fun to watch a defense fly around like that. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. When, when a defense is on its game, it's, it's some of the most fun to watch. You, you have it up front right now with that pass rush and that defensive line, obviously. Uh, the key is what's behind that. And we saw with Darby, he kind of came out and over surprised us. He was solid. Kendall Fuller, solid, had a couple rough games, rough moments. Um, but the true kind of key there is what's happening on the inside. Um, when you're looking at slot corners, you're looking at linebackers, you're looking at that safety play. That's what sort of separates those top defenses from what Washington has now. Um, you're basically asking Jimmy Moreland to stick with those slot guys. And now a lot of times these teams have their best receivers in the slot. So you're asking him to play man on man with some of the best receivers in the game. Antonio Brown sort of ate him alive um, in the slot. You saw, I've seen him, Allen Robinson go against him and this is nothing against Jimmy. What they're asking him to do is just extremely, extremely hard. Um, so, so basically in my mind, you're gonna need somebody, maybe Jimmy can do it, is step up in the slot. Um, sort of help that inside coverage ability. And again, it's the same with the linebackers. Um, Cole Holcomb has splash plays, splash games, and he's graded out pretty high with PFF because of those splash games. But he'll have a game in the 90s, and then he'll have a game in the 50s. Right. So you sort of need that consistency. Your Mike linebacker with Bostic is just kind of – he's just kind of there. Um, he doesn't make big mistakes, but he's not going to really be that sort of guy that you – that you want in coverage. And a lot of times nowadays in the NFL is you need these sort of hybrid linebacker safeties guys that can match up with these receivers. Um, and that's just not really what Bostic is. Uh, Holcomb's more of a run guy. So you, what we're really looking for is that inside help is a, either a slot corner or a will linebacker, somebody who's good in coverage, big and strong that can help in the middle. And I think that's, what's really key that along with a deep safety, but we've known that for years. <laughs> for sure. And I spent way too much time arguing with people on social media that Cole Holcomb's not the second coming of Ray Lewis and they don't want to hear it, man. I a hundred percent understand and our PFF grades don't do you any justice with that take, but I, I kind all. Of agree. He'll, have, he'll have those great games where he just isn't missing the tackle. He's filling every single gap. He's, he's just everywhere. And then he'll have those games where he has no idea what he's doing. It, it just looks like he doesn't belong on the field. 
Um, so he's sort of up in the air. I think he's a perfect Sam linebacker, a guy that can sort of help in the run game, um, just be a big guy there. But I think you truly need somebody who's that hybrid sort of player. Um, a Landon Collins would be perfect in that role if he wants to step into that role. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what they're missing. Um, and then you know, you see a lot of data, a lot of the PFF information. Um, did anything stand out to you or surprise you about what Washington did this year? The Reeves grade stood out to me. That's for sure. Um, that was one. I think another one um, was I would have to go with Darby. Um now, I wouldn't say his grade surprised me, more so his play surprised me um, because his grade in 2019 was one of the worst a cornerbacks had, had gotten that year. Um, and then he just sort of came out of nowhere and played like a top 15, top 20 cornerback. Yeah. Um, another one of the grades that sort of stood out to me was, was a Deron Payne. I think he's one of the best interior run-stopping defensive tackles in the NFL. I'm a little biased with that because I am a Washington fan. Um, but it, it's sort of hard to grade out highly with that if you're not winning in the pass, pass rush game. Uh, again, he's taking on a lot of double teams, so it's hard for us to give him positive grades for that because he's not really beating anybody, but he's not losing at the same time, which is why he's kind of around that 60 to 70 grade mark. So I would say his grade is what really stood out to me the most. Yeah. Yeah, that's my guy. You know it. So. <laughs> yeah, I had to pull that one out for you. I appreciate you. I really do. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time, man, uh, to come chop it up with me, man. It's a lot of fun. Of course, man. Anytime I can talk Washington football, I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. Yep. Thank you.